I'm Gab. He's Don. Uh, it's slightly milder in, uh, in in West London today, this yeah. morning, Don. Thanks for coming in. Uh, Jules, unavailable today. What a show we have because it's international break, but there is so much going on um, <clears throat> on the... Well, you can you can debate whether it's good or bad, but Rubiales now gone. Mm-hmm. Anthony suspended effectively by Manchester United, although I'm sure they'll call it something else. We've had Euro qualifiers. Italy are terrible. Uh, Scotland are amazing. Scotland are amazing. But let's start with somebody who's even worse than Italy, maybe. No, or more disarray. Can't, can't be. Although they'll have no trouble qualifying for the Euros, uh, unlike <laughs> Italy. Uh, and that's Germany. And... Um, a 4-1 loss against Japan. Not unprecedented because obviously Japan gave them a hiding at the World Cup. But um, enough for people to completely lose faith in, in Hansi Flick. And to discuss this, let's talk with, uh, with Archie. Archie! Oh, there he is. Um, Archie, at the top, part of me says, all right, it weren't good, but it was a friendly. You were in it, till the, you were in it kind of close to the end. I'm wondering, is it... Is Flick not gone for the 4-1 loss as much as he is for all the weirdo experiments that he's been doing, like in this game with Joshua Kimmich uh, at right back and Schlotterbeck at left back and all this nonsense? I think I think weirdo experiments is a good way to put it. And it's also the overall performances and the results, despite them, they're all friendlies for Germany because they automatically qualify, as you alluded to, because they are hosting the Euros next summer and... The reason he's gone is because it was ha- it was heading for catastrophic consequences for Germany. And whilst you say they were in the game until the end, they shouldn't have been. Japan had several one-on-one chances where it required miraculous saves from Marc-Andre Testegen to bail them out. And if you look at the XG as well, it's not good reading for Germany. And the way they played, it wasn't, I would say, symbolic of a team that was really looking to save their coach they looked out of ideas they looked confused and that has been the pattern with germany so often under handy flick and somehow they have moved backwards from what was another disastrous world cup campaign and the, the things that handy flick did didn't really add up two straight world cups not getting out of the group stage and okay First time around, obviously Flick wasn't there, and it was kind of funny, or some of us enjoyed it against Korea and whatever. <laughs> but uh, this last time was 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 pretty grim. I, I want to ask you though, I, we have this image of German football uh, of like yes, they're organized and disciplined, and they always plan ahead. And this whole Das reboot generation, this whole stuff's wearing one really really thin. This to me feels like chaos because. It's not like Flick became weird and was getting bad results and people didn't understand what he was doing all of a sudden. Um, It's been like this for a long time. It feels to me like it is a gut reaction sacking somebody from, what, Saturday to Tuesday, like or Friday to Tuesday, whatever it was. Couldn't they wait until afterwards? I mean, what do they hope to do by sending Rudy Fuller out there against France in in what is another relevant game other than just, you know, biding time? I think playing the game in Wolfsburg as they did on Saturday against Japan, where they were struggling to sell tickets for the game as well, and the fact that the fans there, even during the build-up play, were whistling the team, and those whistles got louder at both half-time and at full-time. So imagine that then on a bigger scale in Dortmund against France. That would have been even worse for them. And the fact is, during the summer, they drew with Ukraine, they lost to Poland, they lost to Colombia, 
they lost to Belgium back in March when they were fortunate that it was only 3-2, given the amount of chances, again, that Belgium had during that game. The trend, as they say in Germany, was, was not Hansi Flick's friend. They have been on this route for a while, and I think it's, it's an understandable decision because of also, of course he had the success in the Champions League with Bayern. The thing is, I don't think Hansi Flick has changed. He's always retained this gung-ho mentality. And the difference is, is that at Bayern, one of the things he had was this one-man sweeping machine called the Roadrunner in Alfonso Davies. And with Germany, you can't, uh, you can't afford to be that high risk because the defensive talent that they have isn't good enough. And I think that he built it too much around his ideas of what he had at Bayern rather than playing to, okay, well, what are the weaknesses of my team and how can I protect those? I, I can't fathom what, is, what a, a study in contrast this was because Sunday afternoon, Germany, who for those who don't follow basketball, were kind of a gigantic Teutonic basketball joke for many years in Europe. They go and they win. They become world champions in, in, in basketball in the Men's World Cup. Uh, they beat the U.S. along the way, among other people. And yes, the U.S. didn't have possibly their strongest team, but it's still the freaking U.S. and the NBA and the country's four times as big as Germany. Um, so it's an incredible achievement. Um, and, I'm, and I can't but wonder whether, like, are we seeing, like, the rise of German basketball to the decline of German football? Are they going to be better in basketball than they are in football at some point? Um, I, they probably won't. But still, it's something <laughs> fun to think about, at least for me. Because, um, obviously, when it, comes to, when it comes to football, Germany's the team I always root against, even when they're playing You England. hate them, God, didn't you? I don't hate them. It's a yeah. strong... No, but you root against them because they're really freaking good and they're the gold standard. More than anybody in Europe. Can't you just enjoy their success? And no. enjoy them being brilliant? No, that would be Why weird. do you want to knock them? Because what? they were good. But, so when you had the whole David Goliath thing, like you, you were supporting no, Goliath, I, right? I, I never Worked got, out for you, didn't I it? I never got all these, all these snooker haters on Steve Davis or the, the dart haters on Eric Bristow when they were top. Enjoy them that they're top. When you watch Rocky Four, you were all all aboard with Ivan Drago, right? No, I weren't. Yes, you were. No, I weren't. Yeah, yeah no. you were an Apollo fan, not no, a Rocky fan. I'm all over Rocky. Clearly, clearly. All right, all right. We, we've added him. Uh, Don, you had a question for Archie. Yeah, Archie, when I look at this group of players and I look at the management structure in Hansi Flick, is, is he really inept at, at getting a spark out of the players? Because this is a really, really good crop of players to work with. Is it? Well, I think so, isn't it? Let's let Archie answer. It doesn't compare to the previous crop. There are people who are not on the same level as your Philipp Lahm's, your Bastian Schweinsteiger's, your ma magic that Meza Ozil could conjure and did conjure in a Germany shirt. And I think that there has been a drop-off from that. But at the same time, is there enough to form a cohesive unit? Absolutely. Watching the All or Nothing documentary that was released this weekend uh, to coincide with this international break, you, you can't doubt that the level of analysis is, is there. I, the, 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 the amount of detail that they go into, but it's, I think, the bigger picture decisions that are being taken that were the problem here. And was somebody like Joshua Kimmich, was he prepared to go and play right back and play it in a way that is defensively responsible, shall we say. I think that that's one of the things that this team needed. 
I think of the Germany team winning in 2014 the World Cup and I look at what somebody like Benedict Hervedes did, somebody who doesn't have anywhere near the same technical quality as a Joshua Kimmich, but he played every single minute of that campaign at left back. And I think that what you see at international level and what also makes the best clubs tick is that people come in and do jobs for you when it is needed. And I think that there was not enough sacrifice made in that sense. Okay, on this specific point, I'm sorry. I am Team Kimmich all the way. Uh, Mm -hmm. I appreciate what Benedict Hovidis did. You know, you're a defensive midfielder, you're a center back, and you go, you play left back out of need. We've seen it happen during tournaments. We're not in a tournament. We're in a friendly. Mm -hmm. And you're building towards something. And for me, Joshua Kimmich, is we can have a debate, Verts maybe one day, but right now, Josef Kimmich, if he's not Germany's best player, he's the second or third best. He's definitely in the I top three. I just think the spark's and, gone. I think the okay, spark's you can gone. talk about spark. I'm going to talk about positions, right? Why well, would well, you posi- possibly well, positions think- are irrelevant if you haven't got it in you to produce. Okay, Josef Kimmich has it in him to produce. We know this. He's a central midfielder. He plays central midfielder. I'm not into labels, right? If the tournament comes around and somebody gets injured and the guy's got to play it right back, then he'll play right back. But he is your best player. Normal people, normal people go and they put their best players into the positions where they can do the most damage, right? And to the opposition. And that's Yosha Kimmich's position in midfield. Also because guess what? Ilkay Gundogan's not getting any younger, is he? Right? But, so, but, but, my, but my question is, why is he this didn't. Germany team getting rolled over so easy? No, no, that's right. Let's say Archie answer here on this point. He didn't. Look, Kimmich played in central midfield during the World Cup. I, he, that, that's the point there. And I, he's also not in form. And he's not been for a while. And Kimmich even prophesied his own downfall after the World Cup, saying, I'm afraid of falling into a hole. And I've been at Bayern a lot of times since the World Cup, people groan when he's going to take a corner. Like, there is not a good mood around him, and he is he's struggling. And I don't think that Kimmich and Gundogan, as a, as a double pivot, works. So the way to revitalize him is to play him in a different position at right back that he hasn't played regularly in years. This is the other thing. If I, the guys, No, I think that he can play right back better than any current option that, that Germany have. Like, that's the fact of it. And he's, like, he needs to have somebody who sits behind him. That's been the conclusion of Thomas Tuchel. That's why Bayern tried to get in Xiao Pelina at the end of the window. Like, I think that Gundogan is in better form than him and deserves his place in the side ahead of him. That, that is a double pivot, though. That looks, that looks slow to me in Kimmich and Gundogan. That looks a slow double pivot. That, that I tells play them me. Together. Pardon? I wouldn't play Kimmich and no, Gundogan together. No, me neither. It's too slow. It you could run off the back of them two very easily. Unbelievably good players. But we, we've seen now, possession is not king anymore. Uh, I want to talk about other issues that they have further up the pitch. Um, and we touched upon this off-air, and regular readers will know that all this stuff about, it, about you know, um, creating players' pathways and people take, you know, and we always see this all the time, national team does well, and there's always, like, the, 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 the youth team guys who come out of the woodwork and take credit for it, like we saw with Belgium's golden generation, mm. we saw it with, with, with Iceland even, like, oh, look, they invested in this. Yeah, obviously you need to have infrastructure and so on. But if you're talking about the highest, highest level, and Germany is or should be at the highest, highest level, there's an element of randomness. It, it's nature, not nurture, I think, that creates great players. Because if it were, post the reboot and everything, when we're all praising Germany for producing a ton of great players and they're doing so well, gee, did not occur to somebody. They might have produced at least one striker. You know, where we, did, wait, we, did, did, sorry, 
the best reboot strike, post reboot strikers that they produced. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Archie. Are what Kevin Falland and Nicholas Fulkrug, right? They, they, this is the gold. Kevin Barons right now. Yeah, I mean, all right, exactly, now. right? But right. So you can do everything right, and Germany produced a ton of super talented wingers and attacking midfielders, and people can play with the ball, but they couldn't do that, and they have an issue there, and they they obviously still have a big issue at, at fullback as well. So his solution in this game was to play, um, was, was just to move Kimmich from midfield and move Schlotterbeck, who by the way hasn't had a great start to the season at Borussia Dortmund, uh, to left back. Uh, Archie, am I wrong here? Do, do people not understand this randomness of superstardom? What What do you mean by the randomness of the superstardom? The the, the fact that over times there's just going to be times when you have generations that come through that aren't. We're just individuals. They've been looking for a striker for, what, 10 years, right? Miro Klose kept playing until he was 53 years old, I believe, right? Right. right? They, they got Lukas yeah. Podolski, who was... Do, do, do you mean, like, randomness, as in, like, one day they'll produce six number nines at the minute they've got none? Do you, exactly. mean, do you mean that's yes. how random it is? Yes, you right. can't plan on it. You can't, you can't say somebody's youth development is rubbish because they don't produce right. at that highest level. You can produce a large volume of serviceable players, which I think Germany's done largely, but you can't do that. So so, so to that point, I think that particularly living in Germany and seeing how people talk about things, I think that one thing they maybe suffer from is the wealth of intelligence that they have. And they sometimes overthink everything to think that there is an answer and a solution to everything. And particularly when it comes to trying to find this, this next number nine, I think that they were probably congratulating themselves a little bit too much after what happened in 2010, 2014, and thought that this was all a result of everything they were doing, as opposed to thinking about it, as, as you're saying, in the, in the randomness context of it, which, if you look through generations, is also part of it. N naturally, they were doing things that, that helped it, but there are certain things in life that you just can't predict. There's certain events that have effects on human beings where like it produces a reaction the fact that you know could could it have been predicted that bayern would suffer in the way they did in 2012 that pain and the drive that i think also helped give germany that motivation and incredible belief and drive that they had both with the the, the bayern sector of players in 2013 but then in 2014 you know that played a huge impact so there's so many different factors that I'm, I'm with you, I would say, about thinking about it as well. You know, everything can't be planned for here. No, and that's why I don't have a problem with him, for example, playing Kai Havertz up front. There's no... no sometimes we, it's, it's necessity, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we, we could debate whether he's a, ooh, he's a genuine center forward. Maybe, Maybe he hasn't found his position him, yeah. yet. Yeah. But the guy's tall, he's strong, he works hard. You know, wasn't great against Japan, I thought, at all. But then he wasn't the only no. one. Um on to this, you've, you've taken issue with how chaotic, again, we, we think about Germany, we, we think about these stupid stereotypes of order and so on. In reality, yeah. and it's funny because we often have Jan on talking about like, and he talks about how Bayern is constantly a zoo, especially in recent years with, you know, people mm -hmm. plotting against each other. It's like some Machiavellian thing. But because for many of us in the West, we have this image of Germans as mm -hmm. ordered and rational all the time, we can't understand how freaking irrational Bayern have been over the last couple of years, although my friend Ralph Honigstein likes to say it's because of the northernmost Italian city Munich is. But anyway, um, on this point, can you just describe a little bit? Because 
they made the announcement while everybody was celebrating Germany becoming world champions mm -hmm. in basketball. Uh, and there's a bunch of other things. Can you just run us through those? Mate, anyone who has taken a train regularly in Germany will particularly back back at you about things being organized here, let alone punctual. Uh, yeah, it's been chaotic to, to say the least. You look at the fact that Aki Vatska, the CEO of Borussia Dortmund, but also the vice president of the DFB was mocking the new reforms that Hannes Wolf, uh, who was recently appointed as the director for youth football training and development, had come forward with to try and change and help the way that youth football is run and saying that, well, what's next? Uh, are they going to suggest that we play with a square ball? That didn't look good. You have Kai Havertz moaning about the fact that, oh, well, nobody really supported us back home and all the other countries had their fans going for them. And it's like, Kai, you're not reading the room here, nor are you listening to what anyone is saying back home. You have that announcement, as you mentioned, with the basketball. You have the team and their preparations after a behind-closed-doors game being leaked to a national newspaper here, probably with the thinking maybe that, oh, well, if people see that we are trying to do stuff differently, they'll, they'll soften their stance. And it's like, well, you've basically just given Japan your game plan once again. And, yeah, I, I could go on. I, th this is all just within the last week. And the, the DFB is just a continual clown car when it comes to its public relations and the way it is viewed and seen as being so out of touch with the fans, even letting Hansi Flick take that training session on Sunday morning. I yeah. put him out of his misery instead of just having him mournfully stand about in front of a couple of thousand of fans as well. Like, God, how he must have felt. Don, that's, that's pretty crappy. You've decided to sack the guy. Yeah. And you make him go and take the... No idea. No idea what, what the thinking is there. I've got no idea. You can't even say we're in a conversation with someone else. Can you take the training session? As Archie said, you would just have the conversation in the morning. You would just do the right thing, do the honourable thing. You wouldn't let him stand there and take a training session in front of thousands, as Archie said there, knowing that you've been sacked or getting the sack. I, I feel like last time they scapegoated Oliver Biroff. Now there's no Biroff to sack mm -hmm. because obviously... No. They, you, you can't sack Rudy Fuller for this, right? Because he's only just got there. So, I, I mean, I, I find this really remarkable. I'm almost wondering whether maybe we should reevaluate Biroff a little bit in light of what we know now about how these people operate. You're making a face. No, you disagree? Yeah. <laughs> Do this kind Birofista? Not, not, not especially. All right. I think that too much was probably read into the success of, of 2014. Like, in Germany, there's, there's always been this big thing about oh, how smart it was for Germany to go and base themselves away from everybody else. In Campo Bahia, it was called in Brazil, and how amazing their, their training center was there. And I just think that one of Behoff's key jobs in that position, you have to protect the, the team and make sure that they are not you're, you're basically, I'd say like a boxing promoter, you're, you're trying to manage the situation as best as possible. I think that's one of, in, in terms of rhetoric. And the fact that the players were still having to think about what gesture they were going to do the night before the tournament began with this whole one love armband thing, which like, the players say was super, super annoying. And I think that that's something that, 
That's why your officials and your higher-ups are there, to do just that. But wasn't and, the decision for the one love, wasn't that, I mean, mm -hmm. I would assume how to handle that, that was taken above Biroff's head, right? I'm assuming it, that, it was, was. that was the it FA. Was, but, it was, but the fact that the, the players felt under pressure that, well, we, we need to still send some sort of statement out here. When the fact is, we know how World Cups work. I, after the first game is played, everyone's talking about the football. And they still had that playing on their mind. So I think that Bierhoff's management, if that wasn't good, the fact that they went and trained somewhere which was out in the middle of nowhere away from anyone in Qatar, particularly because of the dynamic when it came to the whole press conference situation and how Germany ended up looking aloof because they wouldn't send a player with Hansi Flick to the second game. And you're the only country that does that? I, why? Well, just be closer then. To everything else so i don't think that these decisions went down well and the way that oliver bierhoff was is viewed by many germans is just being this pr guy and that is a massive problem for the german team right now is connecting back to the fans because they had a huge connection with them when you think back to 2006 even 2010 i'll give you an example a friend of mine who does not like football at all, to the point that she went to Wembley Stadium over the summer and didn't realise it was a football stadium, OK? But she loved this national team. Like, when she sees Bastian Schweinsteiger, she's like, oh, Schweini, yeah, oh, Podolski, fantastic. But I asked her, OK, but can you name any of the current team? She was like, no, nah, no, nah, I've just lost interest in it. And well, that's the thing. Germany needs to get those people back on side in time for next summer. Because a home Euros is huge. Mm. But there is just this, I think, complete gap when it comes to authenticity and right. identification. Right. Okay, can you just make it clear for the record, Oliver Bierhoff, not just a PR guy. He is tall. He is handsome. He is wealthy. <laughs> he scored a winning goal in the Euros, okay? Which is more than any of the three of us have done. Um, sure. Although, Don, you probably came closest. Not many. <laughs> <laughs> Don. Well, Archie, I want to ask, and this is probably the impossible question, but so where did Germany go from here? Not in terms of the runners and riders for the national job, but who's this now on to produce young players? Because as you said, the Euros are going to come around pretty quick. So where are Germany going to be potentially in 12 months' time if they're not bringing bright young players through to make the national side better? I think there has been a reduction in terms of the amount of young players who are German and playing in the Bundesliga. I think that that's a result of the Premier League squeeze, I would say, and the need to keep themselves financially profitable and what it what it is to, you know, I think get the money in if you're a club like Mainz or Stuttgart uh, from, from various clubs. So I think that that has an impact on it. But it, it's not something that's solvable over 12 months. No, as that's, to, to allude right. to what we were talking about that, that, earlier. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking whoever the new manager might be, if he's still got the crop of players to work with, the same crop of players, mm. and I think from the outside looking like the spark's gone, how did Germany get going again? Well, I mean, that's where I want to transition to because obviously mm. the, you know, there's long-term fixes. You don't have time for long-term fix. You have to bring a new manager. The name I've seen mentioned, I don't know if it's just us in the media saying like, ooh, who's the highest profile German German manager who's unemployed? Ah, Julian Nagelsmann. Let's link him to the job. Mm -hmm. I really like Julian Nagelsmann. I'm on the record for saying how horrendously uh, and how stupid it was when Bayern sacked him and the way they did and when they did and for the reasons that they gave. That doesn't but, feel like a good fit to me. 
he does not feel like a good fit to me because I would imagine Nagelsmann somebody who needs to kind of work daily with the players to really have Precisely. that experience. You'd probably also, since he's still under contract with Bayern, you might need to chuck some money at them. This whole optics of Flick replacing Nagelsmann might be nice if they showed some kind of imagination and didn't just go with the same gang of people over again. And that includes Jurgen Klopp. I'm sure he'd be fantastic, but let's leave him where he is for now. Can you help me here? Can you can you come up? Has somebody mentioned somebody more realistic or better? Oliver Glasner was another name. Oh, great, uh, great football I, there. I, I, oh, that's wonderful. I, I, yeah, let's go in the opposite. Well, why don't they get that guy from what Wolfsburg? The what was his name? Uh, Hecking or whatever. Like, why don't they get him? Dieter Hecking. Yeah. Oh, that that's progressive. He's right? Too busy uh, at, at Nuremberg. No, that 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 was a name which was mentioned at the end of the the commentary of the Germany Japan game. Yeah for example, but let's also not forget that I don't think Jürgen Klinsmann was an obvious choice when he came in to do the job for the 2006 World Cup, nor was Joachim Löw either. So I, I'm, I'm with you on the be imaginative, but I think it's harder to be imaginative when you're under such pressure and there's such desperation. And the dream, the dream person for it would be Jürgen Klopp. But is he going to come right now? Would he agree to do it just for the tournament? That would probably optically be the best thing that they could do to, to give him the job just for the tournament even. But it's, it's difficult to come up with somebody who is, say, at, at a point in their career where they have enough of a reputation to, to warrant that job, but also be comfortable with working on not on a day-to-day basis and doing the things that being a national team coach demands. And as you say, Julian Nagelsmann doesn't really fit that mold, but would, would it appeal being the national team coach for a home Euros? It feels 100%. like an experience Problem thing is, to make up. <laughs> it, it's 10 million. It's 10 million for him to be out of his contract at Bayern. And something says to me that after the yeah. way that the DFB got flick from Bayern that Bayern would be like oh you'd like him okay well pay up then and, and we're all good yeah, it, it feels like an experience thing to me to I, I feel as though if Nogsman went in for the World Cup it could go disastrously wrong the Euros Euro, sorry, it could go really wrong to an embarrassing stage. Not because he's a bad manager, it's because they're asking a young manager to deal with the mess that's going on over a long period of time and work with experienced yeah. players to try and deliver a home win, which is a lot of pressure. That that could be a bit of a laughing stock for Germany. Not, and I don't mean on the manager. I just mean the whole thing that's going on. It's not yeah. the right time for him. Yeah, it's I, experience. Is is what I think they need. You you want experience? You want somebody who everybody thinks? The, can, I, can I answer the question for well, yeah, you? Yeah, but I think yeah. Give you the, the experience. On. There is somebody out there who is experienced, who everybody in Germany, maybe even everybody in the world outside of Manchester United fans think is some kind. Of, and Cristiano Ronaldo thinks is some kind of genius, and he's old. And maybe you could bring him Damn in just me. to manage something. Would that be I, Ralph Rangnick's reputation outside of this sceptered aisle? He still is somebody who knows what he's doing, right? And I know he's got another gig now, but, you know, it's certainly cheaper to get him out of it than it is to get Nagelsmann out. Is that, would that be it insane? Would be. Yeah. It, 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 it would be. I don't think that, I don't think he would at this stage with what's going in at Austria. And also because of the battles that he would have to fight at the DFB with people like Rudy Fuller, with Hans-Joachim Batzka. They've said that they are looking for more of a, of a long-term answer 
to to the problem as well. Also, I think that element I mentioned about how it connects with people and getting people on side. Sure, look, the best way to get people on side is results. But also, since the rise of Jürgen Klopp, and I'd say in this era that we're in now, charisma and how you come across is important. Mm. I think that that is something that Ralph Rangnick, to a home a home audience, is it's not something that he's 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 massively seen as empathetic. It's partly because he wasn't uh, he wasn't recently at a very traditional club. The fact that he he made uh, the the monster, as many fans see it here, that is RB Leipzig. I don't think that endears him to people very much either. So, so get the Freiburg guy then. Right, all the all the German lefties love it. Right, strike. Right, run around, lots of energy. They they can do that. Yeah. All right, Archie. We're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to leave it there. Thank you so much. Cap done. Thank you. Pleasure. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. All right, enough Germany. How about some quick hits instead? Let's do it. England lose their perfect record as they're held to a 1-1 draw in Ukraine. Don, I'm pretty sure there's nothing to worry about in terms of qualification to Euro 2024. But some felt they looked a bit labored. Are the standards for Gareth Southgate unrealistically high or an away draw with Ukraine? It's, like, oh, not, rubbish. it's not the end of the world, is it? No. I heard James Madison talking about the state of the pitch and then playing a low block and it was difficult and they didn't play well, but it's not the end of the world. I mean, what I think is the end of the world, in my humble opinion, because I've been there as a player, is Southgate picking players who are not match fit and not match ready. Ooh, like who? Well, Harry Maguire. Calvin Phillips in the squad. I mean, what's James Ward-Prowse got to do? That guy's churned out about 400 games in the last three or four seasons. Yeah, but Harry Maguire's England captain. If you so drop what? him, you create a story. So what? And- Gab, I had it when I, I had it when I'd done my ACL when I was at West Ham and I was getting in, um, I was getting in the Scotland squad squads under Bertley Vokes and I felt an imposter at times because I, I was in the squad rehabbing from an ACL so I weren't even sort of like match fit. But you were around for your leadership qualities and your oh, sparkling uh, personality. Uh, absolutely, of course. Uh, in the same group, Gab, Gab, Italy were held to North Macedonia. Good side, by the way. Um, in Spalletti's first game in charge, not the best way to start. No, no, really bad way to start, in fact. And yes, I can tell you, oh, it was a bad pitch. Yes, it was a rubbish pitch. But so what? It's freaking North Macedonia. Italy actually, actually played, started well in the first half. They, they, they played with tempo, it was up to end, yeah. 
had a couple chances, Tonani hit the post, uh, Immobile then eventually scores, and then they do that awful thing, which they really shouldn't do, the tempo drops, they're like, yeah, let's control the game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Except you're not controlling anything, because no. then it's a free kick, and Barty goes and hits a free kick, and Donnarumma moves in slow motion, and if he's unsighted, he's being slaughtered. Um, they have to do better, they gotta do better, and this game against Ukraine on Tuesday night uh, feels like a must win. Brazil beat Bolivia 5-1 as Fernando Diniz makes his debut on the bench, Don. Neymar scored two goals and also missed a penalty, might have had a hat-trick. But he's now Brazil's all-time leading goal scorer with 79 goals in 125 appearances, surpassing Pelé. He said afterwards that he's not as good as Pelé, and I imagine you agree, mm -hmm. and so do most people, except maybe Neymar's sister. <laughs> but uh, can you put him in context for us? What, in terms of him and Pelé? No, just Neymar, like... Because we have this tremendous sense of underachievement because of his mm. transfer fee and whatever, and Brazil didn't win a World Cup. But he scored more goals than Pelé. I, 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 I'm, I've been pretty consistent, in my opinion, I think, in Neymar. And I think even, I don't know, five, ten years ago, um, when Messi was at his greatest, like peak Messi, I think behind, or just, just behind Messi, in terms of um, natural talent... I thought Neymar was second best. You know, Ronaldo's Ronaldo, machine. Yeah. You know, I thought Neymar, in terms of natural talent, was only just behind Messi. I think that's how good he is. Now, whether he could have made, made better choices, I think the, the biggest mistake will always be leaving Barcelona to go to PSG to try and win the Ballon d'Or when he was so successful and looked so good and fit and sharp. I think that is, when he puts his head on the pillar, he'll have lots of regrets. But the talent, I still think he's in the conversation. Yeah, I, I think it's that talent side. I, and, and, and I think the reason so many people are down on him is, well, A, the injuries and the fact that we seem to get injured at the wrong time. And B, the fact that we all assumed he was on an arc where he was going to be the next player in the world. And then, mm. But Messi and Cristiano stuck around so long and he never quite ascended. It's almost as if... You know, we almost blame him for not doing enough with his ability. Yeah. This might be a bit unfair. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Pelé's record, Gab, FIFA say Neymar has broken it. You say they've broken it, but Brazil's FA disagrees. They say Pelé actually got 95 goals. How come? And this is one for football historians, because but back in the day, Brazil used to go on tour, and a lot of times they would face club sides. Right. And so they're counting goals that he scored against club sides. But right. look, these are really good club sides. And it's funny, because... If countries did this today, I mean, imagine England going on tour mm. and playing against I don't know, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. Right. Yes, I know. I know. Well, who would Bellingham and Kane play for? Whatever, right? You can no, do yeah, it yeah. in FIFA mode. But you're actually facing a higher standard of opposition. So the, oh, should the they Brazilian. Count, what? Well, should they count? Well, the Brazilian FA count them. I mean, no, you should be consistent in FIFA count them because otherwise, you know, I'll go play Kidderminster Harriers yeah. or something and score 20 goals. But. You know, that's the reason. A Bruno Fernandes goal gives Portugal a 1-0 win over Slovakia, Don. Uh, Roberto Martinez makes it five wins from five, but there's a growing group of people asking why he continues to start Cristiano. Why not? Why wouldn't you start him? It's just going to be around forever, isn't it? It's like he's going to have that problem all of the time, isn't he, Roberto Martinez? Hey, that Gonzalo Ramos guy, maybe? Yeah, you know? I, well, well, hang on. One five out of five, you said. Yeah. Right, so what's the deal? What's the problem? Because he's in a group with, like, but Muppets and, like... But you've just won five yeah. out of five. Just it was, enjoy, enjoy it, man. Why, why has everyone got to be on a downer? And right. he's in decent form. He's fit. Uh, Spain beat up Georgia away, winning 7-1. Morata bags a hat-trick. What'd you learn? 
Well, Linda Lamina made his debut in an official game, which is huge because this means he's locked in. Yeah, 16 years old. And now he's locked in for Spain, won't be joining Morocco or uh, I think it's Morocco that he's from. But um, I I think they can move the ball if you score early against an, an opposition like like like, uh, uh, like Georgia, Kvartskelia, quiet. Then you can go and score a lot of goals. Mm. You know, do this in a different standard at a different level. And I think the same applies to Alvaro Morata. Although weirdly, he's Spain's fourth all-time leading goal Almost scorer. scored again as well, didn't he? He's on fire. Danny Olmo, yeah. yes, yes, whacked it. Vaud Weghorst comes off the bench to score for Holland as they come from behind to win 2-1 away to the Republic of Ireland. This was a big win as it's a tight race for second place behind France. And nearly went there, you know. I got on well last week. I was about to go. I was going to go to the game with Jason McAteer, who was there. Uh, they Supporting started well. Ireland, I would Yeah, say. yeah, yeah. They started well. Um, yeah, I, I just think they run out of steam. For, for, for Republic of Ireland-wise, the second half was a non-event when you expect them to try and kick on. They just didn't have the skill. They didn't have the... The willpower, but for Holland, it's a, it's a great win for them. Without Vague Horse, he's got stuff in exactly. the Exactly, he's, he's still got a little bit yeah. in the locker. Uh, two more women have come forward accusing Anthony of assault. He denies all the charges, Gab. Brazil dropped him from the national side, and now Man United have given him a leave of absence. What's the right thing to do here? So I think it's 100% correct that Manchester United gave him a leave of absence. Some people will say, why did they do this sooner? I think you want to stand by your player who protests his innocence. But now that you've got, you know, you've got three women now coming out, right? Uh, who are all making these very serious accusations. You can read more about mm. them. Um, there's a police investigation in in the UK as well as in uh, as well as in Brazil. You don't know. You don't know. You can't know if you're Manchester United. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to find out to get a sense. Mm. And yes, he has a right to be presumed innocent until he's proven guilty. But equally, you have a right to protect your brand. And if you stand by him, even just in light of what's already out there, mm. unless it all turns out to be false... Sensitive, you know, though, isn't it? It's very, very sensitive. I think United made the right choice here. But, Dom, purely on the sporting side, if you were Eric Ten Hag, how do you deal with Anthony's absence on the pitch? Well, it's not just him now, isn't it? It's Jaden Sancho. That he's got to deal with, but in terms of on the pitch, Garnacho, well, you, you can re- try to rehabilitate Sancho. Well, you, you can, you can. Um, but if not, no, um, Garnacho, I think is the obvious candidate on that side. I think he can play there um, more than Pelistri. I think so. From what I've seen, I think Garnacho looks as though he's got something about him in terms of it looks like he could handle if Eric Ten Hag said, "Right, you've got a dozen games or whatever the number might be." There's ten games, go and play. I think he's got. Looks like to me, he's got character, he's got personality to wear that shirt and pull it off, but. To be fair, Anthony's not been in good form. You know, right no, I from... know, but he always plays anyway. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's a problem for the manager, surely. I, I'd love to see Ahmad Diallo, but he's, uh, he's injured. And well, the funny thing well. about that, Gab, is I, I watched Diallo... Um, when he was, Sunderland. Yeah, when I, I commentated on the Fulham game, I believe, in the FA Cup, and he played up against Kozawa, and he ripped him to shreds. Like, unbelievably good. And I wondered why, and I you know, checked that he was obviously still a Man United player when I'd done this sort of, this sort of little bit of work on his background. He obviously went to Rangers... Went to Sunderland, done really well. And then I wondered, I wondered, if this kid's that good, which I thought he was, he was amazing, like, like literally, because I couldn't get near him. And I wondered why they'd done 90 million on Sancho. 
85 million on Ante, when you've got this kid coming through, surely they would have been better off investing more time into Ahmad, no? Well, he's Rather injured than, now. No, 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 just, no this, was, this, this was last year. But you've right. still spent close to £170 million on two wingers. And they spent a ton of money on Diallo as well, incidentally. Yeah, but no, yeah, I, I, I see, I've no. seen more in him than I did in Jadon Sancho and Anthony, <laughs> for sure. Um, another sensitive one, Gab. Uh, Luis Rubiales has finally stepped down as president of the Spanish FA. Gab, was this inevitable? And were you surprised he chose Piers Morgan show to do it? I think it is realistically inevitable now that he's got actually facing criminal charges as well um, from a reasonable perspective. But then from a reasonable perspective, you wouldn't just keep doubling down the way he has, right? Yeah. So he's come out and he said he's going to do it so he can keep defending himself. Um, I am surprised that he chose Piers Morgan show to do it. And it slightly depresses me, like nothing against peers for for getting these big thing these big interviews on but what you can't just release a statement on twitter or call a press conference and explain it or do it with spanish do you think media? do you think do you think in hindsight you, you must really regret not just coming out the day after and go do you know what i got that horribly wrong what a thousand percent that's what i'm saying the way the way he kept digging and doubling down he just kept making it worse and worse and worse wow. the easiest way would have been what they talked about him him apologizing, saying, like, uh, this was wrong, self-suspension, quietly, which the offer was on the table from other members of the Spanish FA. Instead, he comes out and says, like, I'm not resigning, I'm not resigning. Uh, and then, you know, I think he was done at that point. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A Lionel Messi free kick gives Argentina a 1-0 win over Ecuador. Don, some people figured he might retire after the World Cup, but frankly, you feel like Argentina still need him. I think so. I think so, Gab. I was, um, I was guilty of watching the World Cup and judging the first couple of Argentina games like he was Messi of five, ten years ago. Um, and I thought there was, was a couple of games where he was really strong. I think it was the Mexico game, I think, comes to mind where he scored and everything changed. And then I watched him and I made a point of watching Messi on just being a footballer, not, comp, not, not watching him being Messi the genius. And he was still one of the best players at the World Cup just by being a footballer. So I would say while you've got him, do not let him retire because he, he can be that good. He might not be the Messi of 10 years ago, but still on a football terms, he is still brilliant. Uh, Gab, that goal from Messi means now he has 103 international goals. He's six behind Ali Day and 20 behind Ronaldo's one, two, three. Um, on the one hand, it's a big lead and Cristiano is still playing. On the other hand, Messi is a couple of years younger. Will he retire as the all-time leading goal scorer? 
I, I find this fascinating because there's so many elements to it. It's not just about whether you can catch Cristiano. The question is how much more is Cristiano going to play? I think the fact that they both take penalties and free kicks probably means that if they really, really want to keep adding to their totals, they can do that. Funny that, though, because I, I, I worked on a Saudi game, Al Nasser, and Ronaldo actually gave up a free kick, a penalty, for his teammate. See, so of, because it might not be that obsessed. Against total of 123. Um, but uh, my guess is no. My guess is Cristiano will retire. But anything's possible. Scotland win 3-0 away in Cyprus to make it five wins from five. We're Dawn. there. We're there. We've qualified. Nine points clear of Spain with qualified. two games in hand. 11 clear qualified. of Erling Holland in third place Norway. How excited are you? It's amazing, Gab. And I'll tell you what's amazing. The... The, the work that Steve Clark's done to actually recognise how good Scott McTominay can be, and Eric Ten Hag hasn't figured this out because he started as a sort of number number 10-ish when he was a kid, and then he got sort of put into a number eight, and then everyone thinks he's now a holder midfield player, so he can't get in the Man United team because Eric Ten Hag and others think he's a holder midfield player. When you let him go forward, and what Steve Clark's done to him is incredible. I think he's the top scorer in qualification so far. He's absolutely on fire. Every time he plays, he looks like when he plays for Scotland, he's got a different lease of life. The same as John McGinn, who struggled um, this time last year when he was at Villa, couldn't get a game, got the captaincy taken off him. He's now playing well, got the captaincy back. But the job that he's done, Steve Clark, I think, to this group of players is actually remarkable. It's been amazing, I think. Are you saying McTominay's best position is going forward? Yeah, I think so. Well, he's proved it for Scotland. I think he scored six and five, I think he's got. United do have Bruno Fernandes and Mason Mount. No, my, no, right? but my, my, my point is, when he, when he was at club, as in Man United... But he was seen as purely a... As a holder midfield player, yeah, which I think, he's, I think he's much better than that, and I think he's proven that under Steve Clark. Um, so, Gab, your love... <laughs> your love, your net spend, Swiss Ramble has compiled a list of 20 biggest spending clubs this summer. What stands out for you? So look, it's now a real surprise because I've been paying attention this all summer, but four of the top 10, including the number one, Al-Hilal, are Saudi. 12 of the top 20 are English, including Brentford, Burnley, and Nottingham Forest, which I found a little bit... I did, yeah. A little bit surprising. Yeah. Um, and the European top three is uh, uh, Chelsea, Paris Saint-Germain, and, and Arsenal, perhaps less surprising. Um, but... Let me chuck it back to you. I mean, I think we've reached this point where, you know, historically smaller clubs like like Brentford have always been run in a very, very prudent way. They mm. do things differently, whatever. I mean, I think in their case, they made a lot of money in past years and they said, all right, let's double down this year and yeah. invest. Burnley and Forest, that's a lot of money to chuck around for clubs that have that have just come up, right, Don? Well, the Forest one, I, I still, it, it still baffles me on how Steve Cooper can try and have 25 to 30 players and you pick 11, you pick somewhere on the bench and half of them are in the stand moaning because <laughs> I know what those footballers are like, that you can't get in the team or the squad. And it baffles me. The, the, the Vincent Company one, I think, and I heard him talk about it the other day, saying this team and this squad is going to be very, very good in a few years' time. It's the now that matters. Yeah, he's got to make sure they're still in the Premier League for years' time. And by the way, Paris Saint-Germain, they were number one until... Uh, they've sold um, uh, Marco Verratti to Al Arabi. Mm-hmm. According to reports, Harvey Barnes was played for England in a friendly, but is still eligible to play for other countries. Is considering switching his allegiance to Scotland, while Elliot Anderson is considering the opposite, switching from Scotland to England. Don, you're the perfect guy to ask because 
They both play for Newcastle. You're a Newcastle fan. You're yeah. from that part of the world. Uh, you were eligible to represent both. Who better than you to talk this about this? This is weird to me. This, this surely comes down to how you feel. And how you feel, and I always wanted to play for Scotland, you should never be allowed to switch, in my opinion. Even if you played a friendly, if you played two minutes, if you played an hour, what, what gives you the right as a player to say, right, I'm going to go and play for Scotland. Oh, by the way, in two weeks, time I might change and go and play for England. Well, okay, so being cynical here. Uh, I don't understand if, it. Okay, well, what if you're eligible to play for England and Scotland? Right, and which I was. For the last, my mum was English, my dad was Scottish. The last 20 years, I'd say England are a lot better nothing, than Scotland. Nothing to do with it. And you feel English, but you can't get into the England team because no. there's better teams. And then, nothing to do with it. No, that's not why Harvey Barnes might be th- I don't considering know, switching. I don't know what these two boys are thinking, but I know when I... Well, I don't know about the other guy switching back from Scotland to England. <laughs> I don't know. I he just, likes a challenge, yeah? Yeah, I just I don't get it because I had the choice to play for England or Scotland and it was never, oh, who's doing better? I want to play for them. I felt Scottish. My dad was Scottish. I wore Scotland kits when I was, when I was a youngster. All my, ki- all my pitches when I'm a kid, I've got Scotland tops on. So I wanted to play for Scotland. Your mum not a big football no, fan? No, she, she wasn't a massive footy fan, but there's no way I would have played one minute for Scotland and then went, oh, Kevin Keegan's okay. on the phone. I want to go and play for England. Okay. No but- chance. It's how you feel. In my opinion. You might disagree. Well, because you had a dad who obviously was Scottish no, but, and felt Scottish and dressed I, you up in his Scotland kit. Yeah, but then I, then I felt it and I did and I wanted to. So that was okay. my life ambition. I can't, if, I can't abandon that life ambition because Kevin Keegan rings and goes, I want you to play for England. Okay. What if the Scotland managers, Bertie Vokes, Craig Brown, they don't like you. They're like, oh, Don Smells so, or whatever. So I've already played. Right? Yeah. And you've played in a friendly against the Pharaohs. Yeah. Scotland lost, as they sometimes do yeah. against the Pharaohs. And then you get a call from Kevin Keegan. No. And says, like, Don. No. Don what? No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't convince you. It wouldn't. Okay, what if you had dead granddad who you never met who was Scottish? Right. And you grow up on Tyneside and all your friends are England fans. What am I what am I though? What? What am I now? Am I still am I Scottish? You're eligible to play for right. Scotland and England. Yeah. Scotland. Me. You still? Still Scotland. All right. I don't okay. understand how you're Harvey Barnes and you want to switch. And if you're Elliot Anderson, <laughs> you want to switch. It was like the Jack Grealish Declan Rice thing with Ireland. It was like you chose Ireland. You shouldn't be allowed to switch. You chose them. You wanted to go and play for them. I think Declan Rice chose Ireland, and I think Grealish too. I think both those cases because England didn't take much of an interest in them. Right? But then that be even that would be even more incentive, in my opinion, to go. I'm definitely playing for Ireland. And watch a bunch of World Cups on television uh, potentially. Uh, whatever. Right? No, no, and whatever. make less money. Whatever. Whatever. Ryan Giggs yeah. didn't switch. This is true. This is true. Man United's total debt gap has now reportedly passed the billion pound mark. Is this a big deal? It's a big deal because it's a big number, and when you've got a lot of debt, you need to service that debt. And in United's case, they're servicing the debt because by by, by, by which they wouldn't necessarily need to if they had made certain choices beforehand. Uh, like it's no different from what we saw before about the way this club has been run um, over the years, and United fans know why. What I struggle with again, though, Billion. is when. There are people who organize protests and so on. We saw one recently. But I don't understand why they don't get bigger numbers. I mean, when, when it, this is, it's one of those mysteries. I don't what know. What do you mean, bigger numbers? Okay, so Valencia, right? Have a similar situation with an owner that they don't like, and yeah. Peter Lim, right? Yeah, yeah. What do they do? There's a game at the Mistaya. They tell everybody, okay. 
Oh, in we're terms of the gonna, fan protest. Yeah, we're not going to go in until the 20th minute, right? right? And so there's, there's an empty stadium. There's 50,000 angry Valencia fans outside the stadium, right? Yeah. That has an impact. Yeah. At Old Trafford, these, these poor guys from whatever, I forget the name, but it's a date, right? They say, okay, everybody, we're not going to do anything during the game. We want to support the team. Everybody, after the final whistle, let's all go down, gather near the corner flag, and it's one stand, and let's sing, you know, we want Glazers out, right? Mm -hmm. Great, right? 70,000 people at Old Trafford. I think from reports, I mean, I wasn't there, they got between five and 10,000, right? right? So if I look at that, if I'm a Glazer, I'm like, all right, well, you don't even have the support of the majority of match-going fans, right? I, this, is, this is the part I really don't understand. And See, so, so, but fans' loyalty is, is, is a hard one. It feels one. like there's a real hardcore that are really committed to this, and a bunch of people who's like, eh, I don't like the Glazers, yeah, but, but fans, then the Qataris could be worse. If, so fans, if fans' loyalty is, is always to their football club because they love them, and I, and I speak from experience probably about four or five years ago when Newcastle fans were, were thinking about protesting um, to Mike Ashley, um, and they, they semi sort of had this conversation up on Tyneside where they were going to abandon a Premier League game. And they said, no one go to this Premier League game, which yeah. would have been some statement at home, yeah. St. James's Park. They couldn't do it. They, they, they literally said... Why? Because people don't care no, enough? No, no, no. No, they care too much. So the Newcastle fans couldn't, be, couldn't bring themselves not to go to the Newcastle game. Yeah. They couldn't do it because they loved the football club so much. They ended up going. So a fan's loyalty... But this is what I really struggle... No, and you had the same thing years before with, with when Freddie Shepard was, was going and actually dissing the actual fans. You remember that, yeah, yeah. right? And nothing happens, right? No. Uh, I, I, I just think it's, it's extremely odd. I just view the person who owns a football club, he doesn't actually own it. As I like to, to mention, I think it was Patek Philippe. So how do they get out of this billion then? No, the person who owns a football club doesn't actually own it. They simply look after it for another yeah. generation. Custodians. Right? That's, they're custodians. That's yeah. all they are. Yeah. And so, you know, you actually, I, I don't know. It's, it's, but how, but how, how, how much can they afford, not afford in terms of money, to keep running a billion pound mark, two billion pound mark, three billion? I, it's just, it's ludicrous, No. I, it's, I mean, I think there's, there's different elements to it, right? Some of it is, is still left over, uh, I believe, from when the Glazers bought the club, where, you know, obviously they borrowed money and then put the debt onto yeah. United. Some of it is, um, is transfer payments, which are paying in installments over time. I think they have a lot of latitude. I think they'd have no trouble borrowing money, borrowing more money if they need to, because United is such a strong brand. And mm. that's the reality situation they're in. Yannick Carrasco scores the only goal as Belgium went away in Azerbaijan to stay top of their qualifying group. Don, with De Bruyne and Courtois injured, I think we can stop talking about the golden generation now. But let me ask you about Eden Hazard. He's 32. He's not yet decided if he wants to retire. Mm. Um, he's a free agent. He can sign with anyone anytime. He's had injuries. But can you talk about the mindset when, when a player decides to hang up his boots for the last time? Not easy. And it depends where you're coming from. As a player, I retired because I was 37 and I had just ridiculous amounts of injuries that I couldn't cope and I couldn't go on anymore, which was hard. But I think if you're 32 and I think if you're Eden Hazard, I think there's a lot in the back of your mind where you're thinking, I've not even played for three or four years at Real Madrid, but is my body starting to let me down? So only he knows the answer to that. Can he, can he go on the pitch and give it 100%? Even, even Eden Hazard's 90%, like I was talking about Messi before, is still good enough. But is his body capable of doing it? Well, That's the hard thing. So, but when you retired, you said you, you mentioned the injuries. Yeah. Was it just that 
you kept getting injured and it took too long to recover? Or do you feel that your skills had actually declined? Um, well, your skills do decline the older you get because you get to a certain point where you can't get around the pitch right. anymore. Mine was, mine was more so of having no lateral cartilage after ACL operations and taking lots of painkillers every single day just to get by. So I'd be whacking in vault roll tablets, painkillers, just to get by a training session. Then afterwards, do all the rehab, the ice, and all the rehab to be fit just for tomorrow. And then tomorrow... So you could train the next day. Exactly. And then, <laughs> then whack in the painkillers, and all of a sudden your liver's all over the place, and you can't... You know, you're trying, to, you're trying to struggle from a Monday, and I was lucky I had some good managers that allowed me a couple of days off, i.e. sort of Wednesday, Thursday, to try and let everything calm down, to train on a Friday, painkillers, game Saturday painkillers but then injections to take all the fluid off and you do that one week and you can get by you try and do that over a month and six months to a year and your body's just going ah i can't i can't can't and it can have a lasting effect as well yeah absolutely um major shock gab in the women's champions league arsenal got knocked out yeah they knocked out by who uh well i was just 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 shortening it paris fc not paris saint-germain no paris fc yeah uh, which are a much smaller team, obviously, than Paris Saint-Germain. Yes. Don't have the big ba- budget. Uh, it is a huge shock because, I mean, are they Minos, Paris, is he still a top flight fight? It did well last year. But budget-wise, between them and Arsenal, there's no comparison whatsoever. Uh, it finished 3-3. Uh, Alessio Russo was among those. Arsenal's big signing, of course, last year, was among those missing a penalty. Uh, this is a major failure. It's a major, it's a major flop. I Massive. I think it's going to hurt too because, you know, that forward momentum for the Women's Champions League, mm. you need the big clubs, those players that we just saw on television at the Women's World Cup. Now a whole bunch of them who play for Arsenal aren't going to be there. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty, it's pretty bad situation. Paul Pogba revealed he considered retiring after being the subject of a criminal blackmail plot involving one of his brothers and some other friends of his he knew from growing up. Well, friends, maybe former friends. Hmm. He's still going, albeit injured. Juve were hoping he could contribute something this season, but now it's far from certain done. Yeah, um, this is another guy that I worry about in terms of injuries and is his body starting to let him down? Poor Pogba. Um, I commentated on a game a couple of weeks ago. They started well against Udinese um, and he played a few minutes, I think, against Bologna and the game after. And I, and I was listening to and I was, I was reading up on what Max Allegri was saying about him and he was saying a 90% Paul Pogba is still a game-changer. He's still brilliant. You've got to start churning out the games. If you're Paul Pogba now, you've got to be looking at churning out probably 25 to 30 games to have an impact. Otherwise, your body's going to start letting you down. You can't get the minutes on the pitch. You're on a massive contract as it is. I worry for him. He he came on and played, I think, the last half hour or or so, but then he was injured again. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't come off, but when he was walking off the pitch... Was it Empoli? I think it was Empoli. Was it Empoli or was it Bologna? The, Bologna yeah. was the second game. Empoli, yeah. I think it was. Um, yeah, I, I think, as I said, if you're, if you're Juve, you have to plan without Paul Pogba, yeah. and then anything he gives you is a bonus. Yeah. Uh, the Daily Mail Gabba reporting that England's Lionesses are prepared to take strike if they don't reach a deal with the Football Association over a pay with the national side. What's the issue here then, Gab? So as I understand, and look, they're still negotiating, but um, they're talking about strike about maybe not playing in, in, in their next game. Um, and the issue, a lot of it has to do with endorsements and, and sort of commercial endorsements, commercial opportunities, because between the European success and between the World Cup, 
a lot of these women have become a lot more famous yep. than they were before, um, a lot more mainstream, which mm -hmm. then you start to attract mainstream brands. Uh, and one of the things, you might remember this from, from when you played for Scotland, where if your FA has a deal with one sponsor, like you have to, and you want to go and sign your own deal, then they have to kind of approve it to make sure there's no conflict. Yeah. Same thing would also happen at club level, right? Yeah. Um, and I think the deal that they originally struck, you know, the... Not to, a lot of the power rested with the FA because most of these women did not have their own deals or did not have that kind of earning potential. Yeah. Now they do, so I think it's something that you can that you can sort out um, and and reach some kind of some kind of understanding. Mm. I think from the FA's perspective, I'd much rather these people would go and make their own money off of compensation rather than piggyback on on the FA deals as well. And these women want to get paid, and certainly. From a commercial perspective, they have every right to. Hmm. Amara Juf made his debut for Senegal in their 1-1 draw against Rwanda. Don, the mm -hmm. reason we're talking about this gentleman, who I'm assuming you've never heard of, because no. I hadn't heard of him before the weekend, is that he's 15 years and 94 <sighs> days old. He was 14 when they played the Champions League final. Uh, too young? Uh, far too young. Far too young. I've played against guys, I reckon, when I was older that were... Maximum, I think, 17. Rooney came through when he was 16. I think Shearer came through when he was 17. But they were like man Charles in terms of their, their, their height. And, and their this strength. is international football I know, too. Like. I know. It, it, that, that, that age, 14, 15, 16, doesn't seem right to me. It seems far too dangerous. You, know, you could come up against some serious pros coming off the back of their careers who have got a point to prove who are not particularly fit, they might be slow in the tackle, they might be just too big and too strong. That doesn't feel good to me. Not for the not, not for the long term of these kids anyway. Yeah, I think it's not just a physical thing. I think there's a there's a whole mental maturity thing uh, as well. Um, yeah, not true. Um, so Man U reportedly could not sell shirts belonging to new signing Rasmus Hoyland for more than a month, Gab. Why not? So apparently, after negotiating for him and whatever, then they sign him and for a lot of money, as you know. Mm hmm and then they're like, "Oh, wait a minute! He spelled his last. He spells his last name with the um, the Danish O. That yeah. looks like it has like a, a like line it. to yeah. it, yeah. right? Um, we don't have that letter. In, no way. On hand. I thought you were going to say image rights or something. No, something no. as so simple as that. They had to go and uh, they, they reportedly had to go and order it. Um, I, I don't know where you ordered it from or why you couldn't just make Can't it. Can't you or, just make? Can't you just or, make one? Well, yeah, put a little bar across. Yeah, just get, just get an eye or a one, cut it, and put it across the O. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they lost money on it or whatever, but obviously it's a good metaphor of all the chaos that is surrounding the club uh, right now. Who's in that club uh, shop? Off the pitch. He's just got to wonder about Sacked. that. Sacked. No, but he's funny because, you know, Richard Arnold used to be the commercial director. Yeah. Maybe now that he's in the big chair, like, you know, things yeah, have started me. to slide a little bit. I'd you got other that, stuff to worry I'd about. fix that in two seconds. I know. Uh, Don, that brings us to an end. Thanks for uh, uh, stepping in and uh, um, and filling Jules' uh, tiny feet. little tiny shoes because he's got little tiny feet. Um, we're going to be back on Thursday. So until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search match with indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work 
Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 